Good morning, everyone. I have a good shepherd joke for you. Please just stop me if you've heard it before. I have another one, so it's going to get better, I hope. <laughs> so one day, Lassie, the border collie, was uh, having a date with her boyfriend, Sean the sheep. And they were at dinner, and just before dessert, Sean the sheep said to Lassie, you know, I feel as if you're very controlling. And Lassie the collie said, what? And Sean the sheep said, you... I feel as if you're just very controlling. I've been needed to get that off my chest for a while. And Lassie the Collie said, what? And Sean the Sheep said, you heard me. <laughs> Today, as Reverend Zux said, we begin our brand new sermon series on the shepherd, where we'll be unpacking this rich biblical theme and image of what that means. And as we do, we'll begin to understand so much more about the nature of our God. And so I'm so excited for this theme. I'm so excited to hear more about who God is and what he does for us. And as we unpack it, we are just reaffirmed and we remember that God has given us this image all throughout scripture, the symbolism that he is our shepherd and we are his sheep. We see it everywhere. We see it in the book of Isaiah where God proclaims that he will tend his flock like a shepherd. We see it in Jesus' words himself as he says he is the good shepherd. Or as the writer of the Hebrews proclaims, Jesus is our great shepherd. Perhaps most famously, we see it in the 23rd Psalm of David. As David gives us a vivid image of what this means. And so I'm going to read these very familiar words to you. And as I do, I pray that you'll hear them in a new way and with new ears. I'm reading to you from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm grateful for God's word this morning. The thing about sheep is they need a shepherd. I wanted to make a very lame joke there and say they need a shepherd. I did it anyway. <laughs> sheep rely on a shepherd for everything. I did some studying this week on sheep. It was a strange thing for me. Usually it's more theological research, more than farming research. But I discovered a lot about sheep, and they are reliant on a shepherd for everything. If a sheep falls over, it will just lie there on its back, like a majestic cloud, <laughs> waiting for a shepherd to put it on its feet again. And sheep are the most defenseless 
of all creatures in need of constant protection. They're also the only animal that have no homing instinct. And so if they wander just a few kilometers off from their flock, they will have no way of knowing how to return. And so the shepherd would have to go and find them. Sheep are very fearful creatures. They're afraid of the dark and they don't like new places and new people and new shapes and new objects. And so the shepherd would have to comfort them. Sheep are the most helpless of all creatures and they have a habit of making very bad decisions. As I read in a farming journal, sheep are much better at getting into problems than getting out of them. I think I can see why God calls us his sheep sometimes. And this video, this short video clip, gives us a little bit of a picture of exactly how helpless they are. Why don't you turn to the screens? <laughs> sheep need a shepherd. And over the next few weeks, we will be unpacking how the shepherd protects, how the shepherd searches, how the shepherd leads, and how the shepherd grooms. But today, in the very first week, I believe we will be speaking about one of the shepherd's most vital roles, and that is how the shepherd feeds his sheep. The shepherd feeds his sheep. A sheep are unable to find new pastures on their own. And so if sheep are left alone in the wild without a shepherd, they're in danger of starvation. They literally relied on their shepherd for all nourishment and sustenance. And so the shepherd would lead them to graze in green pastures. And before bed each night, the shepherd would literally check to make sure each sheep's belly was full because the sheep will not lie down if it's hungry. A hungry sheep is constantly striving and searching to satisfy its gnawing hunger. It's constantly striving and, and searching to satisfy its gnawing hunger. And they're not very good at discerning between good food and poisonous food. And the shepherds cared deeply for their sheep. And so they did everything they could to provide them with good food. And God is our shepherd. And he desires to feed us. He desires to feed us. We see this beautifully in David's words as he says, the Lord is my shepherd, so I lack nothing. He fills me. He sustains me. He says, he, he makes me lie down in green pastures, lie down, which alludes to the fact as David being a shepherd himself would have known, sheep only lie down when they're fed. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He, he sets a table for me. We see this all over scripture. We see it as the Lord provides daily manna for the Israelites. He desires to feed us. We see it at the feeding of the 5,000, where Jesus saw the crowd and scripture says that he had pity on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And the very first instruction he gives his disciples is, Give them something to eat. Give them something to eat. And we see it in his final command to Peter, where he says, feed my sheep. God hates to see us hungry. He hates to see us hungry. And when Jesus said these words to Peter, feed my sheep, the original Greek phrase meant more of a spiritual kind of nourishment. And Jesus put it like this. He said, man cannot live by bread alone 
but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Man cannot live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. It is his words that nourish us and fill us and sustain us. Our souls crave his truth and his voice and his promises. My soul longs and even faints for the Lord God Almighty. It's in his words that we are sustained. And it's in the Bible that we find his word. The scriptures are the primary place where God speaks to us. Complaining about a silent God with a closed Bible is about the same as complaining about getting no WhatsApp messages when your phone is off. The scriptures are the primary place he speaks to us. And if we do not go there for nourishment, we, much like those sheep, will have no rest. We'll have no life. And if we have no rest and no life, we'll have no joy and no peace. That's why God hates to see us hungry. When our bodies become physically hungry, there are four things that happen. First, we get hunger pains. So we have this craving, this yearning, this desire that something's missing. And then our mood changes. We become hangry. <laughs> My husband has a good experience of dealing with a hangry person. <laughs> we become short-tempered and we become irrational. Then the next thing is that we become lightheaded, our blood sugar levels drop, so we become disorientated, we lose perspective, and we feel weak. And lastly, after prolonged starvation, our bodies literally begin to eat itself. We literally begin to self-destruct. And it's the same with our souls. If we do not go after the voice of God, the word of God in our daily life, we will experience the very same thing. First, we'll have a yearning, a craving, a desire that something is missing, the sense of holy discontentment. Then we will become irrational and on edge. And then we'll begin to feel weak. We'll lose perspective. We'll feel as if we can't go on. And finally we'll begin to self-destruct. Out of desperation, out of starvation, when our souls are malnourished, they will seek to find places to be fed, even with things that hurt us. A sheep that is hungry will strive and search everywhere to satisfy its gnawing hunger. When we are hungry, when we allow ourselves to get too hungry, we will eat anything, even poisonous things. And Jesus says that he is our good shepherd, and this statement in itself alludes to the fact that there are bad shepherds out there. Shepherds who are leading us to eat things that are not good for us, that do not nourish us. The prophet Ezekiel speaks about these bad shepherds. He says, but you have not fed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. They are bad shepherds leading us to consume things we were never, ever, ever meant to consume. From the very beginning, the enemy of this world has been tempting us to eat from the wrong fruit. 
He's been tempting us to eat from the wrong fruit. He loves to tempt us with morsels of lies and doubt and fear and shame. And when we eat from the wrong fruit, much like Adam and Eve, we also lose our sense of Eden. No life, no rest, so no joy and no peace. And if we give in to his temptations, if we consume more from the world than the word, if we consume more from the plate of pessimism than from his promises, if we eat more from the voice of our inner critic than the voice of our creator, or more from sky news than the good news, we'll forget. We forget who we are. We forget what we're capable of and we lose a sense of self-worth. We forget who God is. And so we live in constant fear and deficiency. And we become weakened. And we forget what God can do. And so we lose a sense of hope for the future. We see this all over scripture. Do you remember the story of Jacob and Esau? Esau had been out all day working, hunting, and he didn't stop to eat. So he became starving. And so when he got home, his brother Jacob had an opportunity to tempt him. And he was able to tempt him into selling his birthright, giving up his birthright for a bowl of beans. When we eat from the wrong bowl, we sell ourselves short. We forget who God has says we are. We lose the sense of our identity. And in so doing, we compromise our purpose on this earth. Well, do you remember when the prophet Elijah was working very hard for the Lord? He was the only one of God's prophets left. And he spent so much time feeding others that he forgot to feed himself. And so when the queen threatened his life, the voice of her threat became louder than the voice of his God. And he was terrified. He was tired and afraid and his faith was famished. And so he forgot what God could do. He forgot who God was. And as he forgot those things, he gave up. And he lay down under that tree and he actually prayed that God would take his life. And God's response to his desperate plea was to send an angel with a loaf of bread. And the angel had this message, eat or the journey will be too much for you. I just feel God on those words this morning, eat or the journey will be too much for you. When we don't feed ourselves, we forget who God is and what God can do, and our faith becomes famished. We feel weakened, and we burn out. And so we must consume his promises. God has provided us with a feast from the pastures of his word, but we must eat from them 
or the journey will be too much. The journey will be too much. When Yaku and I first got our dog, Jamie, he was tiny, absolutely tiny. He was the runt of the litter, and he only weighed 700 grams. And so we and the vet were very concerned for his survival. And the one thing that concerned us the most was that this guy just would not drink water. And we were terrified because we knew that his life literally depended on this, on him consuming water. And so we tried everything. We even tried flavoring his water with his pellets. <laughs> I must admit a few times I tried to forcefully push his little schnozzle into the bowl, but he would not drink it. And one day we heard the most beautiful sound of all, all on his own. We heard the sound of lapping. <laughs> and we were elated. We were relieved. We were so full of joy. We literally even high-fived each other, silently though, as not to distract him. <laughs> And as I was preparing this week, I just got this image of God being so relieved and so filled with joy, high-fiving the angels when we, his beloved children, his most prized possession, turn to the scriptures and open them because he knows how much we need it. He knows that our life literally depends on it. He knows the cost if we don't. If we don't read from his words, we forget. We forget. God desperately desires for us to consume his scriptures. He desires for us to crave them and to realize how precious they are. One of the most touching stories I've heard is of a missionary who went into one of those nations where Christianity was illegal and owning a Bible was criminal offense. And as they worshiped that night in the underground church, he was surprised to see a man in the congregation quoting every scripture the preacher spoke about. And out of his curiosity, he went to the man after the service and he said, how do you know the scriptures if you don't even own one? And the man confessed, our church has been very blessed. We have in our possession one Bible and our pastor gave us each a page. And he took a neatly folded page out of his jacket and he said, once we've memorized it, we pass it on to one of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's how I know the scriptures. This community knew the value of the word of God. We read in the Psalms, as the psalmist says, that God's words are sweeter than honey and more precious than gold. The psalmist knew the value in the word of God. Do we still know its value? Or have we forgotten? Have we taken it for granted? His word is precious and powerful and alive and active. And it's literally the transforming agent in our lives. Because every time God speaks, he creates. Every time God speaks, he creates. And when we go to the place he speaks the loudest, we will find that he creates in our lives many things. And the first thing he creates is hope. A revelation of hope is rooted in the scriptures because it's in the scriptures that he reveals his good news. It's in the scriptures that he reveals himself as the perfect father, a father who delights in us. According to Zephaniah, a father who rejoices over us with singing. In Lamentations, we read that he is a father who 
dances and leaps and spins over our lives in celebration. He's the perfect father who has a perfect plan for our life. According to Jeremiah, a plan to prosper us and not harm us. He is a father who, as Paul says, longs to do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond what we can even hope for or imagine. If we are feeling hopeless, we must eat from his word so that we can remember. His word creates, and it creates healing. The scriptures are part of God's spiritual armor, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, this sword isn't a traditional sword that we would have in our imagination. It wasn't a long sword used for combat. Contextually speaking, this sword was a small dagger that soldiers would primarily use to remove arrows from their flesh if they were hit. God's word creates healing. The psalmist in Psalm 119 puts it like this. He says that the only comfort for his affliction is in the word of God. When we are hurting, it is God's words that can soothe us and heal us. His words create. They create hope and they create healing and they create restoration. See, when we choose to eat from his word, we are reminded who we are. We are reminded of our worth and our value. We are reminded of what we can do, that we're dearly loved, and our sense of identity is restored as sons and daughters of the living God. He reminds us that we're enough, that we're more than able, that he created us with intention, and that nothing we have ever done can disqualify us from that. There are plenty of bowls of beans going around trying to convince us otherwise. And so to remember who we are, we need to consume his truth. To remember who we are and what we can do. To remember that we have access to every spiritual blessing in Christ. To remember that we are the light of the world. To remember that we are precious in his eyes and honored and he loves us. To remember that we are chosen that we are called, that we are the apple of his eye, and that his thoughts towards us outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. His words create, and the last thing they create is endurance. The prophet Elijah had come to the end of himself, but he had so much more to do. He had so many more lives to touch, so many more miracles to perform. But if he had not eaten of that bread that day, he would not have been able to go on. May you know this morning that no matter how tired and weary you may be feeling, there is still so much more for you to do. God is not finished with you yet. There are so many more lives for you to touch. The best is yet to come. But to feed our faith, we have to consume his bread, his daily bread. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. We must choose to strengthen ourselves in the Lord so that our faith can be nourished. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the words of God. His word is what enables us to endure trials. 
Jesus put it this way. He says, anyone who hears my words is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. So when the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew, the house was okay. And when we do this often enough, when we make going to the scriptures part of a daily rhythm, we create a reservoir in our souls. We literally create a storehouse that we fill with his truth and with his promises, a foundation that God is able to draw from in any given situation to strengthen us and to encourage us. We have to choose to eat from his word because when we do, we will be able to stand in any storm because we are standing in his truth. Jesus said, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And it's in his words that we find him. Brother Lawrence put it like this in practicing the presence. He said, God walks through the Holy Scriptures seeking man. He waits for us there to check if our bellies are full, to nourish us and sustain us. May we choose to go to his word every day so that we can remember who we are, who he is, and what he can do. Our Lord longs for us to remember. That is why on the night before he was betrayed, he took bread and broke it and he said, whenever you eat this, remember me. I'm gonna ask if Reverend Zooks can come forward and lead us in the sacrament of Holy Communion.